Welcome to the Sidewalk Podcast, where Dad's out of town. Woo! Yes, Corey Craft is still gone because we recorded these two at a time. And Charlie Sanders is joining us, so do another quick intro, Charlie. Sure, I'm back. Again, my name is Charlie Sanders. I am a features programmer for Sidewalk Film Festival, and I cannot wait to party. Exactly. And that's about to happen. And I'm Rachel Morgan, the creative director for the Sidewalk Film Festival and Cinema. And uh, again, Corey Craft's out of town. So this is going to be the Sidewalk Shit Show Part 2. Get ready for a five-minute fight. Five-minute round one fight. fight. We are doing a five-minute fight. Despite, yeah, I like it. Go, go, go. Five-minute fight. Oh, my God. That was, like, really challenging. Um, and so Corey's out of town, so we're going to try to fight. Charlie and I agree on most things, but we're going to we're gonna try to give this a shot. So if, if you would bear with us, Van, can you start the clock? It is started. And so this is a five-minute fight. Five-minute fight. The Sopranos. Can you believe that? We're going to fight about The Sopranos, America's favorite TV show ever. So timely that we do this, too. I mean, kind of. It's an anniversary year, right? So actually, that's the, that's actually why we're fighting. I had never seen it until the anniversary year. Whoa. This year. Yeah. I watched it all in a haze, all <laughs> at one time. As one should. Yeah. But I got problems with it. Oh, man. And I think that this thing is untouchable. Like, I love The Sopranos a lot. Granted, I have not revisited it in a while, so you have a little bit of a leg up on me. But I think this thing is untouchable. I think The Sopranos is wonderful. I think it's a really well-crafted, really genius show that came along at a time when nothing else like it was out there. That's great. (laughs) That's great. A lot of shows do that. And that's why they get claimed as the best show ever. And I think that There are a lot of others like, I don't know, I can just drop a few. The Wire, Breaking Bad. They get the same title. They get the same titles. All right. For the same reasons. Because at the time, it was the coolest thing I'd ever seen. Well, I had not seen Sopranos until 2019. And I'd seen a lot of other cool things. But I I was hooked on the show, but not for the reasons everyone else is. I was hooked on the show because I felt like I was eating dinner with, like, my family. Yes. Because, like, that's... Totally. And, and that's, I hear, yeah, like, what people like to do, right? Like, when it was on, they would all go and, and hang out You're on acting Sundays. like it was 18... It was the 1840s. It was and so soon long as the ago. sun went down, we all got together around the table and watched The Sopranos and ate big meals. <laughs> Look how much time I'm burning up with that. <laughs> Just that voice. Absolutely, you are talking to somebody who on Sunday night would, like, literally cook pasta and sit in front of the TV and watch it. And, man, it was good. And the it, pasta it, and the show. And isn't that like why it's the best show? Because because no. everyone because of the communal, um, you know, everyone getting together and having that really good food and reminding themselves that they can get together to have a good no. meal. No, I'm gonna tell you why because it was the best of Sopranos. Show. Okay, go ahead. Because of things like this. Because like was Camilla 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 Camilla's like her sitting in the living room and like Meadow comes in and says to her mom, "What are you doing?" And it's the oh it's, God, cr- it's Christmas time. It's Christmas time, and she's like, "I'm just sitting here enjoying the tree." That's why it's the best show ever for moments like that. And and then there's just like scenes where Tony's just breathing like really loud. And yes, the pasta's good, but that's why. Argue that. I love the breathing scenes. I hate those children. <laughs> those children are the worst children ever. They're the most spoiled brat TV kids ever. And I get it. Totally. I get it. Like it should make maybe uh have me wondering is this the greatest thing? Because I'm so angry with these kids. Like, they really hooked me in. 
But no, no, they were just typical brats that needed to go away. And I just didn't <laughs> want to pay attention to their stupid storylines. I mean, he was going to what? He was going to like, you know, like kill himself, the kid, right? I mean, but he couldn't even do it. He's like, a little asshole, but he, that's he, great. He that's... was terrible. He was terrible. And I know that this this is a very, I'm getting into very, very personal, seriously yeah. offensive like topic here. But like that bothered me. It was like, you know, it was just like there could have been so much more drama if, if one of those kids had been killed. Oh, so you want the kids dead? One, both. I mean, almost everybody in this in this series dies, but it wasn't enough for you. We need to see teenagers die, damn it. Absolutely. I That's mean, what you're hanging your hat on with this? No, 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 no. It's it's just it's just one of the many many things. Again, it's like the communal reasoning to yeah. watch the show, not so much the the great acting, although the breathing was great. The acting is you know, the acting is superb in it, this show. It is superb in the show. The directing's wonderful. It is. It's the great. The script is terrific. I love it. It's amazing. You're, you're not really wa- winning this argument. You're wondering why why do I hate the show? The kids those kids are just so so annoying but isn't that the point isn't the point that they're little assholes and i suppose so but you know if you're gonna make me watch what was it 85 hours or something like that i mean i could get rid of them well we gave you drea de matea they could have gotten rid of them though i don't know i disagree i actually enjoy meadow i the what's his you enjoy meadow That sounded really weird. She's yeah, terrible. Uh, no, I, I, I think she's great. I think she's really... I, whenever she's on the screen, I'm compelled. To turn it off. No, to, to continue to watch. I think I'm winning this. I think I'm really doing a good job here. Because I, they're, they're, it's so watchable. Let me just rephrase the fact that I don't actually hate the entire show. Yeah. And this fight that we're that we're engaged in right now. It has more to do with the fact that I don't think The Sopranos is the best thing in the world. Sure. We're not really arguing about whether or not it's valuable. We're arguing about whether or not it should be if considered a in the canon. Correct? And if it stood the test of time. Yes. Right. Yeah. And, 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 I, and I come at it from a different place. I watched it. The big question here is, did, how was my New Jersey accent? Oh, it was great. Hey, <laughs> hey Sam, you want to come in here and weigh in? Oh, that was just embarrassing. <laughs> that was just embarrassing. <sighs> who ate all the gobble goo <laughs> actually the intro song my friends always thought it said um um <laughs> the gravy's good tonight <laughs> yeah the gravy i i do i do love junior so much he's like the best person ever <laughs> This oh, is the man. hard one. And then I Christopher sits on the chihuahua. Oh, man, Holy so shit. Good. They it's went so there. Good. I know. Um, yeah. Jump yeah. in here. <laughs> that was like ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> For one, I completely disagree that it's untouchable. I mean, it's the Sopranos and super easy to make fun of. Like, I mean, it has a gun in the title. Like, it's a gun font, and people thought that was cool at one point. I think it should come back actually in other just like various Target logos or Walmart. And Rachel thinks it's untouchable and the greatest thing ever just because it came along at a time when nothing else like it was out there. But Charlie shot that down completely saying like, that's why all shows are like ranked on IMDb's top TV shows of all time list. This is the same reason I watched Chernobyl and Mad Men and... Band of Brothers. They were unique at the time, but then it just like started a bunch of copycats. Um, I liked how Charlie said that he likes it because it was like he's eating dinner with family, but also goes around and says, 
I hate those children and I wish those kids had been murdered. So I just want to know how you actually feel about your family. Um, and then Charlie gets an, gets a thousand points for filling Rachel's I was compelled with to turn it off. It was just good timing. It was a good comeback. Um, and then also a thousand points for saying just like the worst part about the show was the stupid brats and that they should have been killed. Um, Charlie definitely wins this one. I've been robbed. Robbed. Unfair bullshit. <laughs> and now, a look at what we're watching this week. Charlie, what are you watching right now? Oh, okay. So, um, still making my way to the very end of my sidewalk submissions, but right. but uh, I, I'm pretty much done. I think we're, we're pretty much done. Getting close. Yeah, we're, we're getting close. And so... Uh, I'm probably going to turn on this show I like to watch about four times a year. Hmm. It's what called, is that? It's called Norseman, and it's on Netflix, and I, I found it last year. And so by three times a year, I mean I watched it about three times last year, and I'm probably going to watch it like three times this yeah. year. So Norseman is this show where when I first turned it on, it's like this really high production value of Vikings conquering and raiding and doing all of these things. But the, but the opening shot was like really nice. And it was like, they're on the water. And I had just watched like the last kingdom and like all of those shows that are kind of game of throne. Mm-hmm. And I was looking at it and I was like, man, this looks like it's going to be a, like a serious drama. And, and again, it's like, it's not a mockumentary in this. It's like a high production mockumentary about what Viking life is like. So they make fun of like, <laughs> This is super strange. And they make fun of like, uh, yeah, yeah, you know, ritual suicide to cleanse the uh, the, the 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 group of of, of responsibility for the elders, the etastoop as it's called, mm-hmm. and and they just make silly jokes about very intensely terrible things that are going on in, in Viking life during raids and whatnot. But the cool thing about this show, they shot this show. Three times every take, three takes each time, two takes in Swedish, one take in English. And I'm watching the English version. Yeah. So what's great about that is that usually those one take English versions are pretty, pretty lax and silly. And they're supposed to be silly. It's a comedy. Right. So they're supposed to be silly anyway, but they've already done these other two takes and now they're doing it in English. And I feel like they they stumble more because I've seen the Hmm. other version. Right, but the English version—it's almost like the jokes land so much better. The the people who did this did that show Lily Hammer, which has the guy from The Sopranos. Oh man, um, Steve Van Zant. Oh, nice. Uh, okay, so and from other things and other things like music and 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 and, and stuff like that. But anyway, the same people who did that Lily Hammer did this show called Norseman, and I just love it because I could just rewatch it like a thousand times, and they just get all the 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 stereotypical. Uh, mock you joking uh, caricatures of these people just right every yeah. time. And um, the more of the re- realistic dram- uh, dramatized versions of these shows I see, the more I laugh at Norseman. And so, yeah, Norseman, I'm probably going to rewatch it again. Cool. Okay. Well, what I'm watching is uh, I'm going to go ahead and mention a sidewalk title. You know, I, I don't know if I, I should. <laughs> I know. I don't know if I should or not, but dad's out of town. Do it. Did we mention that? Who's ordering the pizza? Who's got the turntable? Um, it's a film called You Don't Know Me, as in N-O-M-I, which is about showgirls. Yes. Um, I just locked it this morning. So, um, Congratulations yeah. to everyone. To everybody, to the city of Birmingham and all of the people coming to the Sidewalk Film Festival. It is a, you know, it's a look back at like this really terrible film. 
uh, terrible in quotes, right? And whether or not it should be revisited and whether, what do we do with movies that are so so bad but enjoyable? And also there's a little bit of a look at like Elizabeth Berkeley's career, what happened there? It, does the same thing happen to men? Why is Kyle MacLachlan just like get out of his thing without a, you know, without a hitch? Um, and, you know, just sort of an overall, I would say kind of a cinematic celebration, of course, a documentary, right? Cinematic celebration of showgirls um, with a big question mark of whether or not that celebration is deserved. Uh, but I found it to be really enjoyable and clearly so that we wanted to program it. So have have you seen it yet? Did you take a look at it yet? I've taken a small look at yeah. it and I've sampled it and I cannot wait to actually really take it in. Yeah. Because I've just been so busy. But yes, I'm excited about this one. It sticks with you. It's really, really enjoyable. And of course, like if for no other reason, it's just like really plucks the best parts of Showgirls out of Showgirls and you get to enjoy them again. So um, very Cha-ching. much. <laughs> very much looking forward to seeing that at the festival and then I'll add really quickly that while it didn't happen this week very very recently I've watched Big Little Lies which is unlike me because I don't ever watch episodic and um, and I went I went ahead there was just a, a weekend when I was like I can get kind of get started on this a little bit and maybe maybe uh, you know sort of parse this out throughout the through, over the next week or so and I and I did I watched it um, and I thought it was very good I think that um, mostly because the the women in the in the show are just so amazing and all very very talented actors. Um, it did make me recommit to my philosophy that there should never ever ever be a flashback used in a film. Only zero 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 point one percent of the time should a flashback be used in a film or episodic, for that matter. Um, and that that. I, that is totally the case here i think if you went back and cut that thing up and removed all this stupid like confessional stuff that happens at the police station um where the where the towns folks are you know i'll tell you what she looked this way and it was weird it's just so dumb and also here's the thing you've got what one two three four of the four or five i guess if you include laura dern five of the like greatest living actors working on this thing and and yet they've cast these folks who there's no way they can hold their own weight against these women that are carrying the show and and we keep cutting back to them so it becomes just even less enjoyable uh in those moments but other than that i think the series is is really worthwhile and i know i'm not the only one sort of thinking that nor am i like bringing something to light that's you know under the radar um but if you do you watch it I can't wait to watch it. Okay. Yeah, it's pretty darn good. I like it. Those women are really captivating. And, you know, my wife, Nicole Kidman's on there. So <laughs> I have to support her work, y'all. I hear You know, I've got to be there for her. So, yeah, that's what we're watching. So now it's time for Kyle's Corner. Kyle McKinnon is a features programmer for the Sidewalk Film Festival and Cinema. He's going to take a few minutes to talk about whatever the heck he wants to. Going to movies is fun. We like doing it a lot. Sometimes the movie theaters don't have everything you want to make your your experience as enjoyable as possible. So I'm I'm a pretty big fan of taking some stuff into the movie theaters. Um, you know, there's obvious things like I mean, some people like to sneak in booze and stuff. Um, I'm I kind of don't really like drinking and watching movies uh, all that much, but I do have kind of a history of doing that. Um, I've definitely like when in college would sneak beers in in like a jacket and i had a friend who got stopped and uh he had a 12 pack of beer under his jacket that was like already open um and that got confiscated but he he's still allowed to go into the to the screening um and then i have a a friend a friend of sidewalk stacy um i hope she doesn't mind me calling her out i'm not giving her last name but i know she's a really big fan of taking a flask uh, with rum and then ordering 
uh, drink at the concession stands. I think it's a Diet Coke and then pouring half of that Diet Coke out in the bathroom sink and then filling it up with what she has in the flask. Um, so that's Stacy's movie going rum and Coke. Um, but also, I, I kind of now really prefer taking milkshakes into a movie theater. And up until recently, there were two movie theaters in Birmingham that um, had a Johnny Rockets nearby. And they they have very consistently good milkshakes there. And they're pretty easy to sneak in. One, especially if like your partner has a purse uh, or if you have a purse, then um, as long as you order it without that dome lid on top, um, then all will be well. They usually, the point of the dome lid is that they'll, they'll cap the top of the milkshake with whipped cream. And so that dome kind of preserves that whipped cream. You're just going to have to forego the whipped cream and just get a flat soda lid to put on top and then just, you know, stick it in, in the purse or whatever bag you have. Uh, and, and that all works out well. But if you are not carrying a purse, I find it pretty easy to, um, you can pull your arm up in your jacket a little bit and just kind of pull it. It's almost like you're kind of missing a hand. You kind of pull the, the, um, the milkshake up into that sleeve, or you can just take your jacket off and hold it over your arm and then just kind of tuck the, tuck the milkshake in right there. Um, and if it's summertime and you're not wearing a jacket, then I recommend just uh, bringing a flannel shirt and then just carrying that also over your arm. Um, and uh, I, I actually, I always bring in long sleeve shirt in the movie theaters just in case it's too cold. Um, the other thing you can do is sneak in a large pizza. Um, I've done that before, but it really requires being winter time and um, because you're, you're going to have to use a jacket. Um, it helps if you have... Um, uh, a girl that can pretend that she's pregnant. And um, so what you do is uh, have a girl with you that has a pretty big jacket. You take the pizza, you take the pizza box and you you turn it up so it's going vertical up and down. Don't worry about it crumbling or, or smooshing it on itself. At least if it's a Domino's pizza, it's going to hold itself together pretty well. So um, so you hold it up flat against her chest and her, and her stomach, and then she wraps the uh, uh, her jacket around it and then just walks in with her arms crossed the entire time. And so what you do is kind of pretend that she's like, she needs assistance, so you're holding her ticket for her. And then so, you know, when she's going through the ticket line, you just, you give... Uh, the ticket taker her ticket and then they never ask any questions and you know sit on the back row it's going to start smelling like pizza around there but um it's really worth it um also if you do anything like this it's obnoxious to leave it behind at the very end um clean up your mess i mean i mean you know clean up your mess but clean it up especially if it's something you brought from outside of the movie theater. It's, um, I don't know, it's kind of like just like rubbing it in the employees' faces to say like, hey, um, you're probably not getting paid enough, but I just want to let you know that um, I <laughs> that the food I ate here is not going into your paycheck. So yeah, don't do that. That's like a real scumbag thing to do. So um, uh, yeah, just take it out, take it to the trash and be a pretty good person. Um, I think that's all I have here. This is Movie Hacks. I'm Kyle McKinnon. Thank you. Kyle McKinnon is a feature film programmer for the Sidewalk Film Center and Cinema. And now, fast film terms. Fast film terms. Fast film terms. Okay, here we go. <laughs> I These two are so cool because they have the best na- These are like the best names. Definitely. They just sound good. So our first fast film term is juicer. What's a juicer? 
I know what a juicer is. I mean, I you know, other than one that makes delicious orange juice, oh. for example. Oh, you mean on set? Yes. Yeah, so a juicer is someone who comes on set and turns on all the electricity. They juice it up. Yes. I can't believe I just said that. Okay, so what's a squib? Another cool word. The squib is the little prosthetic blood that is sitting inside of someone's, you know, um, clothes when they get shot. Right. So that... that That's what goes off. Yeah, that the blood. sexy tank top on, on Thomas Cruise, right underneath it, there's a squib. A couple squibs. Yeah. Sometimes 20 or 30. Yeah. He survives it all. He loves the squib. So very quickly becoming my favorite segment of the podcast, we've got Film Minute with Charlie Brown. Today I'm going to talk about Monty Python and the Holy Grail, a film everyone really, really loves, but I'm hoping to maybe shed some light on some things you guys might not know about it. Monty Python was released in 1975, and it was the first feature-length film after their BBC show had ended in 1974. The movie was financed by asking 10 people to collectively give them 20,000 pounds, and they focused on people who might need a tax write-off for making a charitable contribution. Among contributors were Led Zeppelin, Elton John, and Pink Floyd. Having such a small budget actually is responsible for some of the more memorable scenes, starting with the opening titles, which are white text on black background. Michael Palin added the joke about using ridiculous fake Swedish subtitles about a moose over solemn music as a way to lampoon pretentious foreign films. The budget didn't allow for horses, which resulted in the gag of using two coconuts clapped together for the sound of hooves, which everyone knows. The idea came from sound effects used on the BBC radio. And the film's abrupt ending came about because they didn't have the budget for a large-scale battle sequence. During pre-production, Terry Gilliam and Terry Jones, the film's two directors, had scouted and secured a series of authentic medieval shooting locations throughout Scotland. But... Two weeks before production began, the filmmakers found out that the National Trust had banned the comedy troupe from shooting in any national historic sites because, according to Gilliam, we wouldn't respect the dignity of the building. The Pythons thought that was ridiculous, considering all the terrible deaths and dismemberment that had happened on those sites. Forced to scramble to find a place to shoot the movie, the two Terrys secured two privately owned castles to shoot all castles' interiors and all castle exteriors. And actually, in the tale of Sir Lancelot, the wedding guest at Prince Herbert's wedding, where a group of tourists who had been visiting the castle were there, they were asked if they wanted to be in the movie. Similarly, Arthur's army at the end of the movie was made up of 175 college students shot from various angles to make it seem as though there were double the number of people there. They were paid two pounds and treated to lunch. Sounds like a budget I would come up with. On the first take of the first shot during the very first day of filming, the camera broke. It was the only camera the production could afford, and when they managed to get the camera working again, the sync sound wouldn't work, so they could only shoot non-dialogue close-ups until they got the camera fixed. The movie took four months to shoot, which took place in Scotland during the spring, and it rained constantly. So the cast was soaked during most of the filming, and at the end of the day, as soon as production assistants would announce that they were wrapping, there was a crazed race to get back to the hotel where all cast and crew were staying because there was only enough hot water for 40% of them to take a shower. John Cleese remembers it as being a miserable, miserable time, which is ironic since they were filming one of the most loved comedies of all time. 
Cleese says that the Holy Grail is much more popular in America than it is in England, where the most revered film is Life of Brian. And the Pythons themselves think their other movies are actually way better. It is time once again for What's This Shit? Hmm. I know. Good, right? And again, Corey's not here. Charlie's here. So I'm switching it up a little bit because, man, we can't expect everybody to have the IMDb brain that Corey has. It's pretty crazy. Um, so, Charlie, I'm, I'm at the gym. I walk into the cardio cinema. I look on the screen and I'm just going to go ahead and say it because you'll know it right away. Uh, um, it's Top Gun. And so I want to take this moment to uh, not so much ask you to, you know, to um to come up with what's Top Gun. I mean, there's there's Tom Cruise on the screen. It's only so many films you can go through, only 100 or so before you land on that one. Um, but I want to take this moment instead to force you to listen to a story about Top Gun. Oh, I'd love this. So I'm old, and I saw this in the movie theater. I was pretty young when I saw it in the movie theater. And I went with a friend of mine. I wasn't old enough to drive yet, so I must have been, I don't know, I don't want anybody doing the math on my age, really, including myself. Um, but I was probably like 13, is my guess. And so I go to the cinema with my friend Jennifer, whose father took us to the cinema to see this. Um, and we go in, and he was, a, he was currently at the time in the, in the Air Force Reserves and had been a former like full-on in the air force she was a military brat the whole thing um and so the big part of my story here is i i I clearly remember what is the most terrifying ride of my life on the drive home from that film because her dad who seemed really old to me at the time but is probably younger than i am now right got so damn pumped up at top gun that he drove his daughter and her you know preteen friend home at like 200 miles an hour with um danger zone blasting on uh, on a you know, on a cassette highway to the danger zone yes so that's my story about top gun is that it led to the most terrifying ride of my life and i'm so fortunate to be here i want to want to um thank whatever allowed for me to live through that experience of driving at the speed of light home because uh, top gun uh, adrenaline pumped this this dad Way, way more intense than the movie. <laughs> oh, for sure. Thank you so much for listening. We are your own cinematic Martha Stewart and Gwyneth Paltrow. Yeah. Did you like that? Um, okay, so we've got a little hashtag thing because they're cool. And it's hashtag side talk. So hashtag us up. Is that how you say it? Hashtag it up. Hashtag it up. Gram it. I learned that this week. Gram it. So hashtag us up at hashtag side talks and answer the question, what do you think about Jim Jarmusch? Or just blast me out because I know there's going to be a lot of people who are angry. So where can they find us on social media? Yeah, they can go to Facebook or Instagram or they can email us at podcast at sidewalkfest.com. You sounded so confident when you said that. And also when you say Instagram now, you just say the gram. The gram. Just so you know. Thanks for listening, y'all. We appreciate it. Oh, oh, wait. One more thing. I still have a, I still have a deal going. Crispy $2 bill mailed to your mailbox, snail mailed to your mailbox. If you give us five stars and email me at rachel at sidewalkfest.com, fresh $2 bill coming to you. Five stars on iTunes. Bye. Batwell Studios Podcast Division. Your words, our expertise.